for a few weeks in early spring, the only sounds that I heard were those of songbirds and sirens. The country battled to protect the NHS, save the lives of people struggling to breathe. The world was being forced to stop, pause and let the planet draw a collective breath. I'm Ros Miller, a mid-career medic who found herself disillusioned about healthcare in the UK long before the lockdown of 2020. Songbirds and Sirens is for anyone interested in the biggest challenges medics face today. How to practice the basic tenets of being a good doctor, simply caring for people safely, while simultaneously delivering the latest medical advances in a world of rapidly changing technology and instant gratification. From the highlands of Scotland to the hidden doors of Harley Street, I have found two consistent things. One, medics don't wake up in the morning thinking, today I'm going to do a bad job. Exactly the opposite, we want to help people, to have the time to care for our patients and to do our very best for them. And number two, patients, regardless of whether they are down and out or a dame, all crave exactly the same things, to be seen, to be heard, and to know that for a moment in time, at least someone cares. Songbirds and Sirens is the start of a conversation society needs to have with itself. For me, it's the chance to catch up with colleagues and some friends to find out how the last few months have changed their perspectives and influenced their values. In this episode with Liz Ashley, we chat about what it was really like in the intensive care units. We also discuss the heavy toll it's taken particularly on nurses who will need some time off to recharge and regroup. The other bit that... um I found fascinating was when you know so when I did go in to operate we we currently obviously because so many of the so much of the elective service has been taken down um you know we had theatres that had anesthetic consultant anesthetic trainee anesthetic nurse anesthetic PA surgeon one surgeon two surgical trainee scrub nurse and four runners on the floor I've never seen the 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 theatres so well staffed um which you would think would be great, but we're still um, massively inefficient and incredibly slow. And a lot of it seems to be getting blamed on the, the COVID protocols that we need to, to be taking, um, which are right and proper and we have to stay safe. But, you know, you're, we've got other areas that are sitting empty, not doing anything, that there must be a way for us to become um, COVID safe and efficient at the same time. I think also there's quite these these COVID protocols. I'm not quite sure where they've come from. I think there's a lot of dogma attached to them. I mean, like for instance, aerosol generating procedures. In and I think they yes, exact. If the patient was a COVID positive patient who was coughing and spluttering and desaturating, and you had to intubate in an emergency situation in casualty or in in the ITU, yes, you do need full precautions. But if you think about doing a elective case on somebody that's COVID negative, that you know you're going to d- induce in a calm, quiet, normal, anaesthetic way, give muscle relaxant to. I don't think I create a lot of aerosol generation. I mean, generally my anaesthesia is quite smooth and my intubations are quite smooth. So I don't quite know where some of this dogma has come from believing the tests and treating people who are COVID negative, who've tested COVID negative once or twice as COVID negative and just getting on with them in the normal way. But at the moment, that's being resisted. And um, it's not it's not the doctors so much. I mean, quite a lot of the theatre staff are 
you know, are almost walking around the hospital in these PPE masks, which probably is is now unnecessary. Um, and um, I think, you know, hopefully that the, 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 the virus, as the virus disappears, we will be able to resume some sort of normality. But I think I think the the initial message is again, perhaps like Boris, the initial message was you know to stay at home was actually reinforced too um, firmly, and now people are very reluctant to 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 go back to work. And in the same way with the COVID protocols, I think they applied to COVID um, patients coming through A and E and intensive care with obvious chest infections, coughing the virus everywhere. But I think. The fact they've been applied to every patient having an anaesthetic is slightly strange. Um, They are reducing and we're just about to start using our anaesthetic rooms again at Bart's. So hopefully that will inject some efficiency and overlap into our lists. But I think also they're being used as an excuse by (laughs) the people, you know, the people that don't particularly like getting on with things in an efficient and, and fast way. Um, and I think somehow, finally, it feels like the infection control nurses have won. <laughs> Which is, yeah, um, although interestingly, I haven't seen any infection control nurses, but I'm sure they're probably still around with their clinic. No, they're, wait, they're writing the protocols in the yeah, background. Exactly. You know, and and you feel like they've got us. You know, they, you feel like they've got us by the balls a little bit, and they're quite enjoying watching us suffer with all these sort of um, restrictive protocols. Which actually, when you analyse them, don't make much sense. Yeah. For instance, well. for instance, we're supposed to stay in theatre for fifteen minutes after we've extubated the patient. Well, because of that, because of the you know the the viral load cloud we've created, but. Why should me and the ODA stay in theatre with the cloud? It's not going to follow them like a swarm of bees up the corridor. So can't, why can't we go to recovery, you know, straight away? It's, yeah. it's, it doesn't make sense. And I don't know who's, you know, made all these up in a big hurry, but perhaps I'm speaking out of turn. But that's, there's a lot of dogma that um, my anaesthetic co- colleagues can't really understand. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of these things, and I think what is clear is that we we didn't really have a plan for a pandemic. Certainly, not anything that had been worked out or mapped out in any great detail. And so it was; it did all feel very much as if it was written in the back of a napkin. Um, you know, and it's a bit like that thing. In I think now we're at the situation, and you you'll have seen it um, numerous times when when something goes wrong or there's a, a, a disaster that's happening, whether it's in theatre or in the in accident and emergency, the, the worst thing that can happen is indecision. Um, you know, even if you make a decision and it's the wrong decision, at least you can then, it's a bit like sailing, you can tack towards the right decision, but no decision is just like a, a dead cam. Um, and I think that's very much what it feels like at the moment. In some ways, do you think it would, would, it would be better that if we had a planned, you know, saying, right, we're going to lift for uh, six weeks and then we're going to lock down again, regardless of where the numbers go. But that's the plan. And we'll lock down for another three weeks and we'll lift and lock up until Christmas and we'll keep the Nightingale Hospital there for any overspill. Um, Do you think something like that would be able to give more certainty to to people, to work, to industry, to planning? Yeah, I mean, in London, we're doing that to a certain extent. Some people, um, there's some hospitals are now going to be 
COVID hospitals, a bit like the old TB hospitals, I think, before we were practicing. Um, but some pay, um, hospitals are going to become COVID hospitals. So, like the Royal London have now got 200 more ITU beds out of this. They've opened the two top floors of the building, which had been built but had never been um, uh, fitted out. And they've now got 200 spare ITU beds. So, they're going to become COVID free, whereas COVID hospital, whereas Bart's is now going to become green and COVID. Um, free so that we can go carry on with cardiac surgery. Um, similarly, Harefield's doing that. The Marsden's going to do cancer. I think the problem with all this is there's going to be massive um, land grabs of people's referral bases. So places that have got to stay um, um, COVID hospitals, for instance, the Hammersmith at the moment, are going to um, find it very difficult to restart their um, cardiac surgery. Similarly, St George's, and they're going to actually lose their referral base, which I feel very sorry for their surgeons and cardiologists, etc. But places like Bath's may gain from that, but I'm not quite comfortable with the way that's happening. Um, but I think if we can actually, um, you know, maintain this massively increased ITU capacity, surely we won't have to lock the country down again. Surely we can just say, well, we'll have to cope next time. We can't, we can't, you know, hold the economy to ransom because in the end, the casualties that come from unemployment and, um, and loss of jobs and loss of houses is, is going to be greater than from, from COVID. And I think we've got to be pretty mindful of that as doctors and perhaps you know, now we've, we've 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 locked down once, and next time we've got to cope. Similar to the way Sweden's done, and I think um, I think it'd be very unlikely that we lock down again. I think um, that would be a really retrograde step for the whole economy. I don't think you can start the places like you know the car factories. If you, if you actually shut all the production lines down, I think it costs a lot of money to start them all up again. And I don't think yeah. we can expect industry to do that on you know every three months sort of thing I, I just think we can't now and i think that would be politically very unpopular and actually medicine's now got to cope now we've had the chance to um you know step up and show we can change the way we work i know exactly what you mean my gra- i mean grand died last year at a uh, hundred and um she uh you know she went away in her sleep and the reason that I'm thankful that she wasn't around in COVID was not because of her, but because of my mum and my sister who would have struggled really a lot not going up to being able to see her. I think it's been much harder on the relatives than it is actually on the uh, on the on the patients. Yes. Um, you know, they get a bad illness. You 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 are exhausted from it, but they don't seem to be dying. It's not a painful death. Was was my impression of what happens with COVID? It's just like a you know, for, a, for somebody that's demented, as you say, it's probably not, of all the ways that you could go, it's probably not the worst one to go. No. I think people haven't actually been that breathless. They've just been hypoxic, which is also yeah. very interesting. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that sounds a bit hard, but... I no, think... and I think that's right. And I think, I, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's a tragedy in the care homes for the people and the, and the carers who were there because they don't have the same... They've not had the same skill set and the same education, I think, in and around death and dying that that medics have um, no, no, and you know we're used to it on intensive care to be honest I mean I think I did think that was interesting my non-medical friends suddenly realized that people died on us and that you know and and I said to them but you know people die on me probably 
in every week, uh, you know, sometimes on the operating table in cardiac and, and, some t- and quite often on the ITU. And I might come and see you in the evening at the gym class, but I might have had to do a couple of death chats in the day. And I think suddenly people realise that, yeah. you know, we did, we did deal with this and, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't so unusual for us. And they were quite surprised by that, I thought, which was interesting. And there's been, I mean, there's, it's obviously been Mental Health Month the same, sort of at the same time during May. And there was a, there's a lot of mental health awareness. Um, and there will be some people, I think, that get elements of PTSD or, or trauma after it. Do you think it's, um, my sense is it's probably not going to be the medics. It's going to be some of the nurses or the porters or people like that, as opposed to, um, do you feel that it's had a negative effect on you mentally? Um, I think initially it did. That weekend you met me, I, I was a bit strange that weekend. Mm. But actually I decided I better, if I thought, if I'm losing it, um, and the whole world must be losing it because usually <laughs> I'm quite rational. So I, I have to say, I said, said that um, to him husband, afterwards. I said, if Liz is stressed, then I'm, we're all fucked. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I decided I've got to get a grip. And after that, I got better. Um, but I could see that, you know, I actually thought I was in sort of an acute anxiety state for a weekend. So you could understand how you'd lose it. Next time, Liz and I discuss the mental health impact of COVID on staff that have been right in the heart of the front line in ITU. In a career that spans a decade as a consultant orthopaedic surgeon, working both in the National Health Service and the private sector, I've had the privilege of meeting and treating fascinating individuals from all walks of life, from single mums and factory workers to actors, business leaders and politicians, with the occasional lord and lady along the way. This moment in time has brought fear, but also hope, and most importantly, an intense desire for change. It's up to society, not politicians, not governing bodies, and not the media, to decide what our collective future should be. You can follow Songbirds and Sirens via Facebook, Twitter, or on Instagram. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to find out more, or if you would like to contribute to the conversation, please get in touch.